What's up, Canes fans? Peter Rees here alongside The Money, bringing you another edition of the Canes Insight Podcast tonight. And we have Louisville this week, top 10 team coming into Miami for Senior Day. D. So it's probably a bigger game than we would have thought heading into the season, just looking at these games uh, one by one. No, it's huge. And it's honestly, it's bigger than playing a top 10 team. It's bigger than, you know, whatever the records say. I mean, this game, to me, is the biggest game of the year for Miami. Now, there's been other games on the way, but right now when you look at it, we've had so many bad Novembers at Miami. Now, 0-2 in November. Not a lot of juice around the program. You beat a top 10 team at home, regardless of whether they're truly a top 10 team or not. We'll talk about all that. You beat them at home in front of a lot of recruits. We'll talk about that in the bank. You now start to reverse some of the bad feeling and get closer to par. You finish 8-4 and four with, two, with two wins, maybe a bowl win, a good recruiting class. You're not exceeding expectations, but maybe you're at par. Right now, you're trending towards below par, and if you finish with two losses, you're basically where Miami's been every single year uh, with probably a more disappointment given what Miami's invested. So huge game. Obviously, Miami's favored. We'll get into the breakdown, but uh, a huge game at the stadium. If you're not at the stadium, uh, can't make it out there. Titanic's got all the deals. Make sure you head out there. Again, if you're not at the stadium with me, um, Two two for ones, Pete. You got the plug. What what else they got going on over there? Yeah, dollar wings, dollar jumbo shrimp, best game day deal in town. I mean, you can't get dollar wings anywhere these days. I remember when every every spot in town used to do them on Mondays or whatever it was. But uh, you know, those chicken wings are expensive these days, so can't get that anywhere else. Dollar wings, dollar jumbo shrimp, Titanic. Uh, Also, check out the Canes Insight Shop, of course, and. You know, D, this this game this weekend, number nine team in the country. I had Mark Ennis join me from up there in Louisville. Broke it all down. And this is a team that on the defensive side of the ball has been very, very strong this year. Offensively, they have not been that sharp, but they they found a way to navigate through this schedule. And the Canes have a real opportunity to spoil their season as they're looking to clinch a shot for the ACC title. They, they're thinking about playoff, you know, playoff scenarios, right? That that's how that's what what their mindset is on right now. Although that's pretty ambitious, but that's that's just what that's what they're thinking right now. And Miami is an opportunity to really spoil a lot of that. Yeah, and it, look, forget them. You're right. It, it would spoil a lot for them, but this is about Miami. This is about getting Miami back on track. Uh, we're going to know what this game's about. It's the first couple drives on offense. Van Dyke, there's a ton going around uh, on around him. You know there's going to be moans and groans when he makes his first bad play uh, at the stadium. So, and, and really, some of that might come with from his own team. So if he can start strong, maybe a nice touchdown drive in the, within the first two or on the first two. I mean, let's be ambitious against a defense like this, it's going to inspire the whole team. If Miami plays motivated, they are the better team. It sounds crazy given the records, but Miami's the favorite. You know, Miami has more talent, better in the trenches. Coaching, you know, we'll see. But there's a reason why Miami's favorite in this game. Um, so 
the piece that I don't know is the motivation because we've seen so many lay down performances by Miami this time of year, especially after an FSU loss. So that to me is what I'm watching. The first couple drives, Van Dyke giving some juice to his teammates by succeeding maybe when they he has it in recent weeks, give them some belief, get the crowd into it, and then play downhill. I think that's the formula because if this starts like a slog, like Virginia, NC State, Louisville's a lot better than those teams, a lot better coached than those teams. They have more to play for than those teams. So if you play that kind of game, it, it can get away from you fast. And then outside of, of course, the on-field implications, as we reported today on Kane's Insight, pretty extensive list of visitors, not only 2024 guys, but 2025, 2026, 2027, getting a few years down the line. But a couple guys in particular that Miami really needs to have a good showing for this weekend. Yeah, you're talking about Xavier Mincy um, yeah. and and LJ McCray from Daytona Beach. I think we're doing better with Mincy than McCray at the moment. Uh, McCray obviously committed to Florida, who's losing a lot of commits from their class. Uh, Mincy going to be announcing at the All-America game. Miami in good shape there, but that's a battle. Uh, Alabama's big in that recruitment as well. Um, on top of Florida and the, and the in-state schools. So that's one to watch going forward. Um, by the way, remember to like and subscribe to this podcast. Um, sign up for the Canes Insight Forums. You want to know the type of exclusive info you're getting. The person we're going to talk about here, um, we've got to mention Xavier Mincy, who reported in the bank. Miami's been in great shape with him, working the defensive back out of Daytona Beach. Big guy, uh, plays corner, could potentially be a star in Miami system because of his size. Um, also potentially a safety and LJ McCray, five-star defensive tackle. Um, where Miami's well, I, I remember, D, by the way, you, you know, not to toot your horn here again, but you were talking about LJ McCray before he was a top 10 recruit, top you know, five-star recruit. You said, look, this guy isn't uh, rated like a David Stone, for example, at, at that point, but Miami is recruiting him as if he is as important as anybody in this class. Right. So yeah. you were again were all over all over that early on in the springtime, summer. Yeah, no, no question. He you knew he had a talent and he started to grow into that body. Uh, Leonard Williams comps from the Giants. Um, so just breaking down, not just the guys that might be committing, but someone who just committed Cole McConaughey uh, out of Spanish River or sorry, Spanish Fort. I'm sorry. Um, in Mobile, Alabama. This is somebody that Miami we you first heard again. This is why we keep plugging. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Sign up for the forums, Kane's Insight, both free. We reported six weeks ago, nobody had this, that Cole McConaughey was a huge Miami prospect, defensive end at Mobile, Alabama. Guy's six foot, six foot four, almost six foot five, big, great growth potential. Gonna be a big defensive end. Um, his dad was Mr. Football in Louisiana, great bloodlines. Um I think guys has 38 career sacks or something like that. I mean, Ruben Bain type numbers. He is he's well on his way to 20 plus this season. Um, having a great senior year. Obviously, you know, white kid. They're talking about the motor, and he definitely has motor. But this guy's got a lot of athletic ability. You see him on tape dropping back and pitch um, and showing that skill set, making open field tackles, changing direction. You see the bend. Um, great hands, really strong hands. You see him both. You know, just tossing aside. Um, offensive tackles, 
using his hands with 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 technique and also just pure grip strength. And then he also has the grip strength to to take down quarterbacks when he can't you know crack them, and he's got to pull them down. You see that multiple times on his tape. So what might be a pressure for another player is a sack for him because he's able to grip down that quarterback uh, when he gets around him. Um, on top of the plays where he just crushes the quarterback, he had a viral uh, play on Twitter. I think we retweeted on the Canes Insight Twitter um, where he just crushed somebody last week, and, and he posted about it. So this is a guy Miami targeted. Certainly not a backup plan. Again, we mentioned him six weeks ago because Miami had a huge grade on this kid. Really won Louisville where he was committed and uh, happy to do it. Um, you know, some people talk about well, why isn't Alabama and Auburn on him? You know, there's a long list of Alabama defensive. And his pass rushers that, for whatever reason, slipped through those cracks. Um, you talk about Justin Tuck, OCU Manura, um, Demarcus Ware, famously. Uh, both the last two guys I mentioned went to Troy. Tuck went to Notre um, Josh Allen, the great defensive end for the Jackson, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. He's from Alabama, moved to New Jersey as a senior, but was an uh, Alabama kid. Um, you know, quite a few of these guys. Mario Addison, who got a ton of sacks for the Panthers recent years. Um, you know, uh, and a couple the, things, a, a couple more things with him too. I mean, he has the pedigree. His dad was Mr. Football in the state of Louisiana in '97, I believe it was. Played at LSU, Texas, Louisiana Tech, and interestingly enough, it was Philip Rivers who got him in touch with Miami, right? So, I don't think Philip Rivers is going to be going out there vouching for guys. He had the connection with Coach Stroud who was there at NC State uh, when 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 Philip Rivers was there. So I don't think he's going out of his way to vouch for a kid unless he's he's got the goods. Yeah, no question about that. Um, you know, he understands what a player looks like and he especially when the other team, you know, it wasn't like Rivers it was Rivers' guy. Rivers just saw the dude and just called his old coach and said, Hey man, we played against somebody that you're gonna want. Um, so yeah, this is a guy these are the kind of guys you want where you're evaluating someone rising as a senior, somebody with physical tools that's not a last-minute desperation heave. You know, this, <clears throat> this is someone that you're targeting and you want and you value and you put a lot of money into as far as NIL because you want them. You know, this is not a backup plan type of kid. So, you know, happy to get that commit. I think it's, it's a big one. I think you're going to see just recruiting-wise, you know, Miami wants to take around this number and they're going to add kids. So you might see some shuffling of the class. Um, I think this, this is a class you're going to see get better, both in the rankings and and just in general. Um, names to watch again: Cole McConaughey. We mentioned him on the podcast first, and the and the the message board. Uh, Markel Bell, who committed last week, the big offensive tackle. Same thing. You heard about him first here. So, I think the next two names to watch, certainly the next name to watch, I'd say Xavier Lucas, a big, big, big defensive uh, back out of American Heritage. This guy ran a ten nine, uh, kind of a safety corner. You know, which, which where does he go? He has the speed for corner, um, the tightness and change of direction. That's going to be what what separates. You know, decides where he goes. But uh, played at Dillard. Now you see him at American Heritage, where he's having a great senior year. Committed to Wisconsin, Florida State's after him big. I think Miami has the edge there and wants this kid bad. You watch his senior highlights. A lot of stuff to like there. Um, running guys down, showing the speed. The size is obvious. He gained some interceptions, but to me. American Heritage is a school that when defensive backs come out of there, you can pretty much bank that they are going to be big-time players, especially if they have physical tools. I mean, again, Marco Wilson, uh, Pat Sertan, these are both NFL players. Tyson Uh, Campbell. 
Tyson Campbell, NFL player, uh, James Williams, who is now, you know, you, you see that the season he's having uh, as a junior, he's an NFL player all day. Um, Tyson Russell starts for, for Vanderbilt. He's not as talented as the other guys, but he's still playing. Um, and then Daryl, you know, who maybe last year, like, all right, this guy's just a guy. But now you're seeing he's a really good corner, uh, impactful ACC corner for the Canes. So these American Heritage guys, uh, they're pretty bust-proof. None is a sure thing, but they're the safest buy that you're going to get. And this kid's got size, six one, almost 6'2", heavy in the 190 range. Um, I, was, I don't know what he's listed at, but he, he's, he looks you know very much in the mold of like a Sertan size-wise. You know, he's a big corner. Um, with Another guy – uh, another guy you first mentioned pretty much before anyone in terms of the Canes back in early November in the bank. So yeah, yeah, that was that was that was so like and subscribe, man. We're we're trying to give it to you free. Uh, like and subscribe to the pod. Sign up for the forums. The forums are just smoking hot, especially these next two months. Uh, Canesinsight.com. Sign up for the forums. Um, another name. Jordan Lyle, the running back out of St. Thomas Aquinas, having a great senior year. When his senior clips dropped, I think people are going to be pretty impressed. Um, committed to Ohio State. Ohio State wants to keep him, uh, but Miami's making a strong push there. I don't think he's as f- far along as McConaughey was or uh, Lucas was as far as a flip, but I like where Miami's at with Lyle. I think they're going in the right direction uh, to potentially add him to the class. So, you know, add those two guys who are really doing a great job in South Florida. The, the elephant in the room, of course, Jeremiah Smith. You know, I think Miami's losing some ground there. They got to play better. They got to get the momentum back with him. Uh, he's a Miami fan. So you're always going to be in the game with him, but you can't get too far off track. You got to bring it back this week. Got to w- bring it back next week. Show some improvement. Get some momentum going with the class, with the transfers, whatever it is. And then, um, peak at the right time with his recruitment again mark ennis will be joining me later on in this show to preview the game against louisville with me obviously they exceeded or have exceeded up to this point definitely expectations in year one of the jeff brahm era and do you such a weird relationship miami and louisville so many connections over the years a lot of things have been intertwined it's been a little bit of a rivalry that's been that's been brewing brewing here and again Miami has an opportunity not only to get some momentum going for themselves right to end this season um but to end the fairy tale story for Louisville as well yeah i mean I, so just thinking back about there's been some very memorable games in the stomping game which i talked about with mark where we stomped on their on their logo in 06 right right uh well first you had the Devin hester game oh four hester yeah that was oh four yeah then you had uh the the game where they just smoked us and really i think showed that was petrino just showing that he was so far ahead of what miami was doing um and that was really kind of a low point for miami i think miami really you could tell that it was the gig was up um with the dynasty in that game, Brian Brom, who's now the core, uh, officer coordinator and quarterback coach for Louisville. He was the quarterback in that game. I mean, I thought he was going to be mm-hmm. a first round pick after that game, the way he lit us up. Um, so that's one that stands out. And then of course, you know, they have Mario Yerudio was on that team. Number seven, the receiver. Yeah. And you had a, a Shannon kind of low point for him getting smoked in the bowl by Louisville. Same yeah. thing with respect to golden 
low point getting smoked by Louisville, same stadium. I was at both of those uh, games. Not fun to watch. Um, so, you know, Louisville's been, been, you know, taking it to Miami uh, pretty good. Um, now Miami did have the, the win during the pandemic season, uh, made some big plays. Jaron Williams. Game. Yeah. No, no, it was a Derrick no. King. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Jaron Williams did have a, a record-breaking day against them, though. I remember that one. You're right. So that was, yeah, 2019, uh, Williams lit him up pretty good. That's right. That was like when Enos was kind of getting back on track for a second, um, lit up Louisville, and then Miami defeated them in the pandemic year with the King. But really, the losses stick out more for whatever reason. They were just very symbolic losses. You knew at each of those points, the Braum loss with Coker, the Shannon loss, the Golden loss, that just things were not going right with that particular head coach. You don't want to feel that way about Cristobal, particularly this early on Saturday. You'd like him to get back on track. You win this game. Now you're seven and four. You know, with a chance to go eight and four against Boston College again, you'll be favored. Um, and much different feeling, much closer again to par. Well, now you can say, okay. We were close. We lost a lot of close games. You know, things we can do better coaching-wise, quarterback-wise, what have you. But you, you finish 0-2 or 1-1 dismal. It feels a lot like every season we've had here in Miami for the past 20 years. Before the season, what were we saying? 8-4, and 9-3. and three. I mean, you can go back to our preseason podcast. That was pretty much our prediction. We said if everything goes right – 10 win, ten wins could happen. And if everything did go right this year, 10 wins was was uh, not out of the realm of possibility, right? So um, here they are. They have an opportunity to win eight games here and then head into a bowl game, potentially not to count any chickens before they hatch. But big opportunity as the favored team here at home this weekend. Huge game, man. I hope you guys make it out there. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's noon game. Be cooking. Um, let's end. We finished the season with so many bad losses at home. Uh, it'd be nice to end on a home winning streak. And, you know, now that I think about it, uh, is Miami? No, they lost to Georgia Tech at home. I was going to say they, were, they, could, they have a chance of going defeated at home. But, yeah, they really you threw the gave, they gave one away there. Um, but otherwise, you know, pretty good home team this year. If you really look at the, their performance, could finish a nice home. After a horrible home season last year, finish a nice home run this year uh, with a win against Louisville. And D last thing here before we get with uh, Mark Ennis for the preview pod tomorrow, I will be going live Miami and Georgia basketball at three 30 in the afternoon. Uh, they're down there in, in the Bahamas for the Baja Mar uh, tournament down there. I will be going live directly after the game. We'll be talking hoops, but also, be talking this this Louisville game, be talking recruiting as well. So that should be about 5.30 or so. little Friday afternoon action, switching it up, uh, but we'll get both basketball and football coverage there. So tune in to that tomorrow. And then, of course, the replay is always available on YouTube as I've been doing these recap shows right after the basketball games. Like I said, I can't promise it's going to be all 30-plus games of the season, but as long as I'm available to do it, um, you will get my top-notch Canes Hoops analysis on there. So, again, like, subscribe. Coming up next, Mark Ennis from the Louisville side. 
giving us the inside scoop there. D, anything else you have to say? Nope. Let's go Canes, man. Let's finish strong. Go Canes. All right, Canes fans, joining me now on the Canes Insight podcast, as we do every week, someone from the opposing side here, Louisville this weekend coming into town, Miami's last home game of the season. So Mark Ennis, host of The Drive on 939, The Ville, kind enough to join me today, bring some inside knowledge on this Louisville Cardinals team today. Mark, appreciate you joining me today. How are you doing? Thank you for uh, for having me. I haven't had a chance to do a lot of Miami stuff uh, since uh, Louisville's joined the ACC, so I appreciate you asking me. And I'm looking forward to this one. I think this is going to be a I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I really do. Miami and Louisville has always had a nice little. It's brewed into somewhat of a, a rivalry, right? They've had some interesting moments over the years. I think Canes fans always have a, a you know something about louisville coming in and taking these south florida guys right and mm-hmm. a lot of them who for whatever reason flew under the radar down yeah. here in south florida and louisville comes in and obviously they've gotten some guys some some guys at the quarterback position who miami fans oh, yeah. uh definitely would have would have liked to play down here as well so it's been an interesting uh program to watch develop and now obviously coming into miami here with a chance to finish this season out doing some real special things as a top 10 program uh, right now and looking for an opportunity to clinch an ACC title berth. Yeah, I think the Miami-Louisville relationship is really interesting uh, on a number of different levels. You mentioned you know, the, the success with getting some South Florida guys, uh, the overlooked ones, some transfers, things like that, Teddy, and of course with everything, with all that. But even going back further with, with the, the shared relationship with Howard, Schnellenberger, you know, and, and all of that. And, and I think in a lot of ways, uh, Louisville football has uh, tried to emulate Miami in terms of being uh, a school where they differentiate themselves by being fun offensively uh, and, and the, the brashness and swagger and that sort of thing. And I think to go back a, a generation, maybe Louisville basketball tried to differentiate its, itself in the same way. And so I, I think that there's always been a, uh, an interesting kind of emulating uh, desire to be a peer kind of relationship between Louisville uh, and Miami. And I, it's unfortunate that the realignment sort of changed the scheduling format with the ACC, because I think a lot of Louisville fans were looking forward to Louisville and Miami being an annual game. And I don't really right. know how that'll play out, you know, going forward, but I agree. It's, it's fascinating sort of the overlap uh, in those places where they have impacted one another. I, for Louisville fans, for instance, like the 2004 game against Miami with, with Devin Hester, you know, that's that's like the ultimate missed opportunity yeah. for a lot of Louisville folks, you know. So there have been some interesting games. You're totally right about that. Yeah, that Thursday night game and then the 06 game where, where Miami, st- uh, you know, stomped out the, yeah. the logo pregame and then Louisville took care of business at, at, at home there. And there's just all these little recruiting moments. I remember Keith Brown, yeah. linebacker who was who was high school teammates with duke johnson at norland that was you know they got him away from miami and things like that i mean it's just been clint hurt clint hurt obviously <laughs> who's, who's now yeah. with the seahawks right so right. um a lot a lot of connections there and i mean what 16 florida guys on this louisville team 11 south florida so continue to 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 do the do that and i'm sure they'll do that moving forward but Year one here for Jeff Brom, Mark. I mean, talk about surpassing expectations and obviously with, with 
the history there and his family's history there. There were expectations, but not as quick as this, right? Yeah, I, I think people were expecting it to go well. I think people thought he'd hit the ground running. Uh, I, I doubt anyone uh, would have told you that they'd be sitting here, you know, at nine and one, uh, and 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 realistically, at least like discussing playoff scenarios, like that, that. No one thought this, and I think Jeff deserves a lot of credit for a couple of things. I think one uh, to bring in a staff and a way of doing things, uh, and kept it almost largely intact from Purdue. Like they showed up. Here, here's a proven way from a power five conference. We know exactly what we're doing on every level. And, and the coaching staff has done an excellent, excellent job. And it's really hard to overstate how nice it is and how helpful it is for little, like these guys don't need to know. They don't need to make contacts with anyone. They know everyone here, all of them. And, and it's not just Jeff Brom. It's Brian Brom. It's Chris Barclay. It's uh, all of these guys that have coached here before Ron English was even a coordinator here once before. Uh, and so they've hit the ground running. Uh, they got an opportunity to do something no other Louisville coaches really ever had, which is use the portal to turn that roster over quick. And then right. they did uh, and a real deft use of the portal at, at running back with Isaac Garendo to, you know, to supplement uh, Jawar Jordan, Jack Plummer coming in and already knowing the offense uh, and then some really uh, good pieces in the secondary that have been big helps this year. So uh, using the portal, I think just sort of, a, a unit of coaches who know exactly what they wanted to do. Uh, and then uh, I think flexibility to just be maybe a different kind of team than maybe Jeff would like, you know, he has a reputation as a guy, they air it out and he's got all these quarterbacks in the NFL and we all know about Rondell Moore and wide receivers and all that. But clearly this is a, a Louisville team that's better running the ball and playing defense. And, and I give Jeff a lot of credit for recognizing that and say, Hey, that's the kind of team we're going to be because that's what's going to work this year. Not every new coach is, is that flexible. I think he deserves some credit for that too. Well, and, and that's obviously the sign of a, a great coach is someone who can take what he has and maximize it. They, like you said, 48th ranked passing offense in the country. Obviously, Jack Plummer coming over last year at Cal, but before at Purdue with, right. with Brom, they had that familiarity and he's not putting up gaudy numbers no. But like you said, I mean, he's he's able to run the offense, has that familiarity with him and and done a good job there. And you, you made a good point about them having the connections already there. The NIL world today. Right. I mean, it's easy to get people on board their top 25 recruiting class last year. I don't think the, the class looks as good ranking wise this year, but if they finish the year out strong, I'm sure they'll have a, a good finish, although Miami just did flip. Uh, yeah. Cole McConathy last night. I know that was a guy who only a three-star recruit, but Miami staff has been really on him hard. They were excited about his potential, but I'm sure Louisville will finish out strong recruiting-wise as well. But looking at this matchup this this weekend, right, um, you, you talked about the rushing attack. It's been a yeah. strength for this offense, right? Um, it, Jamari Thrash, coming in as well. Uh, Lance Gidry, Miami's defensive coordinator, saying that he you know, he matched up against him when he was at Georgia State and he was a tough guy for them yeah. to defend. So just talk about this offense as a whole this year. Plummer, again, hasn't been, hasn't been airing it out, so to speak. Right. But what has been the bread and butter uh, for this offense? 
Yeah, th this has been uh, it's I would not say that it's ball control because uh, uh, th they don't go slowly or, you know, or anything like that. And they'll take their shots, but it's definitely run first. Uh, and, and in particular, I think they they love to get in three wide receivers, you put Jack Plummer in the shotgun with Jawar Jordan and they'll run, you know, uh, weak side stuff. And, and there have been lots of big plays. They, you know, under Scott Satterfield before they were a, 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 a only zone running team so when they do lean back on that some they are a good outside zone running team both of uh jordan's long touchdown runs say against notre dame run outside zone you know, runs they're good at that and now isaac garindo as kind of a one-two punch at running back has uh, has emerged as kind of a big play guy too uh, and i i'd be shocked if they don't have you know 30 carries between the two of them uh, this week and things have gone poorly if they don't, you know, in this game, right. that's how that ends, but they're going to run the ball first. Uh, and, and I think in, in most of their best performances this year, Jack Plummer's thrown the ball 20 ish times and, and that Louisville's offense seems to be its most dangerous when he's, uh, 15 for 20 for 189 yards and two touchdowns and doesn't turn it over. Uh, and right. he's his, as long as Louisville doesn't need him to throw it 35 times, they're gonna they'll be in the game. And, and it, the proof, the ultimate proof of that is they go lose at Pitt in a game that everyone would love to have back. Uh, and you get to the end, he threw the ball 52 times. Like that can't happen. Right, that can't happen. I mean, could you imagine if, like you just mentioned that Pitt game, if Louisville was coming into this game undefeated right now? I mean, there's the, the stakes are already high coming into this game in Miami, but. Man, you 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 talk about playoff scenarios. There'd be some there'd be some very very realistic ones right right in front of them if, if that was the case, right? So for um, sure, yeah. And look, the Louisville schedule. There's no denying. Like I don't think anyone from Louisville has to, is trying to pretend that they've played like a murderer's row. They got uh, a somewhat favorable schedule with Florida State not on it, and Clemson not on it, North Carolina not on it. Uh, but they also are going to play eleven Power Five teams. I know Indiana's not great but and they've squeaked uh, out a couple they've squeaked out a couple yeah. wins but i mean look it's big you look at the team the mark rick miami team 2017 right that went to the orange bowl and lost to wisconsin but they lost to Pitt the day after thanksgiving and yeah. then you go into the acc championship game and lose to clemson right i don't think they were ever going to beat clemson but right very similar sort of you know you you get you navigate the schedule you win you yeah. beat who's on the schedule and, and here you are you have an opportunity um, as a as a top ten team, and this is all left. new for these guys. Like the, right. you know, if you think about either transfers in or the guys that were here under Scott, you know, by this point in the year, they weren't playing games that matter like this. You know, they, it, one of the things I think that really killed everybody with Scott is that you know, early losses would just sort of take out any big goals like right away. And by the right. end of the year, you're like, what what exactly are we playing for? Uh, so this is new for everybody, you know, for for this staff here and these players. So I think some bumpiness kind of navigating week after week, having to play a really important game. And I think uh, realizing that these other teams are going to give you the absolute best effort they've got. I know Miami experienced the exact same thing with Virginia in particular. Like you had to right. really lucky to get out of there with that one. So was Louisville. It's the same thing. Right. So it's new. It's been a different. Well, I think I think it's interesting because you look at the spread and it's you know what a one point one point yeah. game right and and i think everyone's looking at it like what well why is that the case and like you said it's obviously a home game for miami it's senior yeah. day probably better than than their their record indicates I agree. If, if you've if you've watched a mm -hmm. lot of the games and 
Georgia Tech game obviously sparked right. a lot of, of this, what's happened to this point. Um, but it'll be interesting, especially this matchup. Like you said, Miami's Miami's run defense has been one of the strengths for this team. Right. So against that Louisville rushing attack, it should be interesting. Looking at the other side of the ball, though, this has been that defense has really been what's carried Louisville yeah. throughout this season. So, I mean, just talk about their success. I mean, you look at the, the numbers, they're great ac- across the board. Um <laughs> especially in the red zone, right? So Yeah, yeah. the defense has been a, a pleasant surprise. You know, not that I thought that it would be bad, but, you know, by the end of last year, they were excellent. But they lost virtually everybody uh, in the front seven that was a, a really meaningful part of that. A couple guys, uh, Diaby and Abdullah were both drafted. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you had a bunch of, and you lost uh, some transfers. Uh, KJ Cloyd, you know, went to Miami. Petro uh, uh, Clark, right, in in the secondary, right. in the secondary. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He, that's right. He's uh, with Arizona, so like they lost some pieces there, uh, and some new folks have emerged. They used the transfer portal. Uh, Devin Neal's been excellent in the secondary at safety. You know, for them, I think th- the front seven has been wonderful. Uh, and Ashton uh, Gelati has sort of stepped in to being the main guy up front. I think he leads the ACC in sacks. He's having a wonderful year. They've got a – I think they have an identity. They are comfortable kind of going with one high safety and we're going to play man coverage with the corners. I think they really like what they have at corner. And they take their shots up front. Uh, and really, I think kind of starting with the Notre Dame game forward, uh, there was a real emergence of some confidence being kind of an aggressive, uh, blitzing kind of defensive team. Uh, and as long as Louisville doesn't help the other team, they've done well uh, this year, not giving them short fields and you know throwing pick sixes, stuff like that. The To me, I think the most fascinating thing about this game is Louisville's been a real Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. They've been really good at home, and they've been really so-so on the road. You know, lucky to get by Georgia Tech, lucky to get by Indiana, uh, beat NC State 13-10, lost that pit. You know, so this is the last chance to really try to play one good 60-minute road game because it's definitely something they haven't done this year. Well, I I would expect their energy levels to be pretty good coming out. If, if they're not, then uh, there's something going on there because with, with everything they have to play for, and again, it's it's Miami, not the not a, a 9-1 or 10-0 Miami, but it's the team that they're, that they're watching on film and probably saying they, they – they're better than the record indicates. Like Absolutely. Said. I know but, they think that. Right. About right. Miami, for couple, sure. couple guys uh, that you would say Canes fans should watch out for on the defensive side, because um, like you said, they, they do bring the pressure. And At, Yeah, Ashton Gelati up front. Ashton Gelati up front. He is a pretty versatile defensive lineman. You'll see him, you know, uh, Right over the nose. Sometimes you'll see him wide as a pass rusher, and it really kind of gives him Florida some, guy. Yeah, absolutely, and it gives yeah. him some real uh, versatility uh, there. I think he's sort of the main guy up front uh, in the secondary. Devin Neal's been a ball hawk uh, this year at safety, and Quincy Riley at, at the one corner. I don't think Jarvis Brownlee will play at the other corner. He's been dealing with a little bit of an injury uh, issue, but they like their depth uh, there. Uh, those guys uh, are the are the. The big pieces there, and then Ben Perry kind of plays this safety hybrid linebacker role, uh, and they're a lot better when he's out there. You know, go back even just to the beginning of the first game of the season, he gets ejected uh, for a, a kind of a questionable targeting call. In fact, the whole second quarter after that, uh, Georgia Tech went up and down the field, and they had to go into halftime and like start over 
to sort of slow that down after that. That's right. sort of how important he is. So I, I would say those guys are the ones uh, that I would be looking out for if I was a Miami fan. Another connection I just thought of to Derek Nicholson, Miami's linebacker yeah. coach. For, Great guy, by the way. Gotten awesome rate. I mean, and, and it's and it's nice you say that because that's what everyone's saying about him down here. Done an awesome job with that linebacker group, yep. and he's um, excellent. Obviously, brought KJ Cloyd, which which I, this is a good time to ask you about him. Canes fans have been very pleasantly surprised by what he's done this season, right? And I think. Yeah. When he when he came over, you're looking at it and you're saying, well, he didn't he didn't start all that many games at Louisville. He, his numbers weren't all that great, but there has to be a reason why his linebacker coach is bringing him with yeah. him to Miami. So what was the story with him there? And, and uh, again, he's had a, a really solid season for the Canes. So it's, it's nice to see him. Yeah, I, I think they they've had good linebackers. I mean, they really it was just a, strictly a matter of, I think, just who would you who should he be playing in front of? You know, um, Imani Montgomery uh, and Momo Sonogo, like the, the, they were excellent linebackers. And I think he got to play, you know, where he sort of fit. But at that inside linebacker spot uh, where Louisville had him, there just there was good, there were good players there. Uh, Momo went off to the NFL and Imani uh, Montgomery's at, at Ole Miss uh, now. So the, it really was just simply a matter of they had good depth there. He didn't get a lot to play, but he can really run. He is uh, he's not right. huge for a linebacker his size, but for what Louisville really asked him to do, and, and I had imagined you probably would say the same thing for what Miami asked him to do, he can he can really run. Uh, and I thought by the end of last year, all of Louisville's inside linebackers got really good as as blitzers. Not everyone yeah. is good at that. Uh, and so I'm not shocked at all, you know, that, that, right. that he's he's thriving uh, down there. He's a really good player. I think there were just several at that spot. I didn't think it was a bad reflection on him that he didn't play a ton. Yeah, no, talking to some NFL scouts, they think he has a real opportunity yeah. at the next level. Um, and I think he's going to get – he's definitely going to get a shot to that he can run. He's big, and he's made some plays on on film this year. Uh, sure. Mark, last thing here before I let you go. As we've gotten into ACC play, one of the last questions I've had for people I've had on the show, talk got to talk some basketball here as mm -hmm. Miami is now a uh, – you know, powerhouse in the ACC. Yeah. Obviously, Louisville, it's been tough times for them. They got a win last night against Coppin State. Um, but just talk about the state of the program and how, how they're working to get themselves out of this rut. You know, it's been a mess. Uh, and there really has never uh, been a, a period of time like this for Louisville basketball. Uh, there, just, there just hasn't. You know, the fans of a certain age here, uh, sat through 50 years of having Hall of Fame head coaches. You went right from Denny Crum to Rick Pitino uh, and and never missed a beat and, and just built something enormous. And, and it seemed almost impenetrable, you know, like it was just self-perpetuating forever. Uh, but a combination of a lot of things, you know, just, uh, leadership issues at the top uh, of the whole university uh, and coaching hires since then you know you're definitely not guaranteed that the third guy is going to be a hall of famer too and with chris mack it didn't work out and and with kenny i think it's it surely feels i think to most people like he wasn't ready to be a head coach and this has been a real mess uh the great news with college basketball is you can fix this thing overnight you know, with with the portal, you can turn your whole roster over and be a whole brand new team. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's worth pointing out, you know, the, the FBI scandal, which also ensnared Miami for a short period of time with uh, with Jim Laranega. It sat over Louisville for five years. 
and Louisville ultimately didn't get significant penalties for what happened there, but that was the penalty that that was just yeah. sitting out there in, in every off season. And every time you talked about Louisville, it was like, well, unless they get a, you know, this kind of ban or whatever, uh, the next person who comes in and I'm, I'm pretty sure there'll be a coaching change, you know, after this season, uh, will be the first person who didn't have to labor under that at all. Yeah. In, in so close it, to seven. It's years. so easy to negatively recruit against it. And Absolutely. Look, Miami definitely felt the effects of it, but Louisville mm-hmm. was at the center of of the of the situation, right? So, and I'll I'll add uh, very quickly just to talk about the Miami side uh, for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I do radio with with Luke Hancock here. He played for Jim Laranega at George Mason, signed with mm-hmm. him out of high school there, and uh, thinks the world of him. We've had Jim Laranega on the show on our show here in Louisville a half dozen times. You know, over the years, mm-hmm. think the world of him. I'm not shocked in the least uh, that he's successful down there. Just a wonderful coach. Great yeah. dude. Uh, I'm glad that he was able to weather the storm there uh, and, and sort of come out on the other side. And I'm not shocked at all that Miami's proven to be you know, one of the better teams in the conference on kind of a regular basis now. Yeah, I was out at uh, the Sweet 16 Elite Eight when Miami was was out there mm-hmm. a few years back. It was Villanova, Kansas uh, were, were also in in the region there. Not and bad, huh? Villan- yeah, Villanova, I believe that was the year they won it all against against Carolina. That was Kansas. Yeah, Villanova, Kansas played in the Elite Eight there. But listen, out of all of the Miami-Louisville weird connections, right, there is a, the basketball one where Miami tried to hire Patino when he was with the Celtics still yeah. back in the day. Paul D., mm-hmm. may he rest in peace, former Miami athletic director, tried to get it with Miami. The Canes might have might have had their national title uh, <laughs> by now if if he decided to come to Miami. But uh, well, things are trending in the right direction. Absolutely, uh, the last couple of years have been have been awesome. So, Mark, great to have you on today. Really appreciate talking with you today, and should be a fun one this weekend uh, at Hard Rock. For sure, anytime, man. Happy to do it. Thank you.